Replicating Serendipity, a look at how CES pivots from in-person to virtual. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Gary Shapiro, author and CEO of the Consumer Technology Association, the organization behind CES. Welcome, Gary. It's great to be here, Tanya. Thank you for having me. Of course. So what does the Consumer Technology Association do when you're not putting on CES? The Consumer Technology Association is a nonprofit trade association representing some 2,000 U.S. and Canadian technology companies. Uh, we focus on innovation, and our mission is simply to promote innovation for the betterment of humankind. We discussed the content and experience of CES 2021 in a previous interview. Let's talk about CES from a behind the scenes perspective. Explain how you had to pivot from putting on a colossal in-person event to a virtual event. Well, you're absolutely right. It's definitely been a pivot for us. And um, I, I credit our, our team for understanding early. Frankly, we've had these discussions starting in February and March. Uh, we, we, we really did things quickly. Uh, we, we practiced stay at home before it became popular. We closed our office for a day and a half in early March. Um, and we were ready for when everyone closed down and we've worked remotely ever since. I've been in the office a few times since then, but most of our employees have not even been in the office. Uh, we pivoted and we had to pivot in different ways. We had to cut a lot of our own costs, frankly, and even reduce our staff numbers because we just couldn't afford to do what we were doing uh, without a physical CES. Um, and, but that's, that's okay because what we still felt an obligation to do was to bring people together as an industry. And what we did is in terms of our pivoting, we realized the skills of producing a physical event don't necessarily transfer over, but we still have other opportunities. And we urged a lot of our, our team to get educated relatively quickly. We obviously went out, we partnered with Microsoft because of their skills and others. Uh, and we changed what we were doing. We had to change uh, what we were offering our companies. And at least by the measure today, it's been way beyond. Our, our goal was a thousand companies exhibiting. We're well over uh, 1,700 at this point. We're probably gonna cut it off in the next week or so. We just can't handle more. We wanna have everyone that activates digitally with us as an exhibitor to have a great experience. We want the people who go on live around the world to be able to have that. That requires a lot of bandwidth. It requires a lot of planning and requires, because everyone who is involved with CES has to be part of the industry. In a sense, um, we have to make sure the exhibitor is right, that what they're showing, the videos they're showing, we're trying to make sure that are appropriate. There's different things we've never even had to think about before, like the fact that there's different cultural sensitivities around the world, and they may involve some of the products, some of the content shown. Uh, we're working on a lot of eggshells and we see a lot of landmines. We, I guarantee you we're not gonna be perfect. We're gonna fall flat in our face a lot and make some big mistakes in the next few weeks. And they'll probably maybe a parent in a month and say, why did you think of that? We've tried to think of a lot of things. We've had a lot of brainstorming, a lot of different teams working on different aspects of the projects uh, we're involved in. But the gratifying thing to me and the learning experience to me was the support we've received from industry. You know, we're a nonprofit that owns it in theory. That means the industry owns it, means nobody owns it. But the industry really does own this, the innovation industry, the technology industry, because they have told us they wanted us to go forward. They thought it was important. They recognize the difference. They recognize it with COVID, uh, that live human interaction, the five cents experience of an event that we love so much, it's not gonna happen the CES 2021. 2022, we're hoping will be a hybrid event, physical and digital, learning, uh, learning our lessons and making it better. But the reality is we're, we're moving along and the feedback we've gotten so far 
has been really strong and amazing. And just the number of companies that have signed up is well beyond our expectations. So we're we're in a good position, I think, right now. Um, but obviously, uh, we don't know what's ahead of us. And uh, we do recognize uh, the great humanity and togetherness of our industry, just the way they're treating CES 2021. And I might add, we also have a very uh, good volunteer leadership. We have leaders of different companies uh, that are engaged with us at different levels, and they, they are willing to put the industry interests above their own company interests or their own personal interests. They're not paid to do it. They're volunteering to basically represent the industry and make the decisions, like the very big decision we made, which we made so early, we made in July and we announced that CS would not be physical, it would be purely digital. That was way beyond the one or two or three months that everyone else has done and they wait till the end and they hope. We said there's not going to be, in our view, a widely available vaccine. There's not going to be uh, an opportunity. And we want to be part of the solution, not the problem. And we want to announce it as soon as possible to minimize the hurt, minimize the hurt to Las Vegas, minimize the hurt to uh, all the companies and people that invest in the travel and plan the big exhibits and the expenditures. We want to minimize that as much as possible, allow people to plan and adjust for the new digital reality we're, pre we're, we're presented with. And it's um, so far, knock wood, it's working out okay and actually much better than we thought, but, but I recognize we're not there yet and we're gonna have egg on our face for a few things that are likely to happen that I just can't even imagine what they are, but I'm pretty sure they will happen. So you mentioned Microsoft. What technology did you have to implement to bring a large virtual event to life? And was it all there in the beginning or did you have to invent or maybe even re-engineer re any of it? Well, Microsoft brings a tremendous amount to the table with their Teams platform, their cloud platform, their event experience, their, their knowledge of cybersecurity. They have an amazing production facility. They have a great team that really sees the opportunity here to, to showcase Microsoft technology to the world. But they didn't have everything. We had to work with them for others. Uh, for example, they never really had exhibitors they, in anything they've ever done in their own live events around the world. Um, they've never had to deal with the, some of the registration challenges we faced. So we, we worked as a team. We have subcontractors and others. And, um, but but uh, this is different. This is, in a sense, it's not where a live physical event. A lot of this is pre-event production making sure everything works together and creating a platform where people could chat, interact, find each other. These are all things that, um, you know, Microsoft brought so much to the table, but we had to reinvent with them. We had to reimagine with our team. And what we decided to do early on is not um, try to do what everyone envisioned in a sense, or many people said, oh, you're doing AR and VR. Of course you'll do that. You're CS. No, we're not doing AR and VR. Uh, we're not doing 3D. We're not doing a lot of different things. We're doing we would try to do a few things really well, and that's to allow for serendipity, allow for where your personalization so you could identify your interests and you could be, have suggestions. We've sort of created a LinkedIn for the CES, if you will, and that people could find each other, plan ahead of time. And we're going for 30 days after the event, so you could visit the exhibits, contact the exhibitors, even for many have chats, have live interactions, have the press conferences we've, we've already had in a way that allows reporters to ask questions at maybe the press conferences and things like that. So we've, we've replicated some of it, we've reinvented some of it, and we've just, we've, we're doing this, hopefully the plan was a, a small group of things really well, but not what everyone envisioned we could be. We're still dealing with a two-dimensional media, the screen in your home or your office, and it's tough to engage people for a longer time. We've had to shift and change and tell people, look, we're not doing the long moderated introductions and everything else. This, an hour is all is all an eternity in the in the on-screen world. So we've shortened it considerably. Everyone's talks will be shorter. They'll be hopefully crisper. They'll be um, 
we'll be doing things differently and we'll see. We'll see how it works out. We hope it'll be great for people and we hope we've uh, raised the bar a little higher for everyone else. You mentioned there are technologies that you decided not to use. Did you use or did you consider virtual reality as an enabling technology at any point? Yes, we did consider virtual reality. We decided not to go that approach because it was, first of all, it'd be another expense for exhibitors. We're very conscious of that. We've always, you know, since my first day connected with the, the organization as an outside consultant, and I attended a board meeting, the discussion was about raising the cost of exhibiting. And I'll never forget the board discussion. The chairman was the largest exhibitor at the time. So this is a rounding error for us, but we want to make it so that anyone with an idea can attend CES, the smallest company working in their garage, maxing out their credit card, you know, building their first prototype or their first program, doing something, and they could get that exposure. And that's the philosophy we have is keep the costs as low as possible for the exhibitors and the attendees to the extent we can. So we didn't want to start using technology which would burden exhibitors. As it is, let's be honest, this is a huge shift for many exhibitors. I'm not talking about for the largest companies, which have big teams of production people and things like that, but for smaller companies to create a video presentation of themselves, which would work in a trade show type of mindset is, is a challenge. It's been a challenge for everyone, but you know, we're not getting the complaints at all. It's just kind of amazing to me. It also allowed us to do some really crazy things. Like we actually changed our show date. So it was a week after New Year's, we pushed it uh, to give people another week to move it away from the holiday, which is something that always kind of concerns me because we're right up against New Year's and Christmas and even Thanksgiving. And a lot of people are, the show is a deadline, to be honest with you, and it gets things done for a lot of people. <laughs> and it, it always has bothered me personally that we're affecting people's holiday season. And uh, this time we, we said we could change the day, why not? And I, I thought that was great because not one person complained, but then I did learn that there's one company, there's some companies that had quiet periods that started that second week. So it did affect some companies, but they weren't complaining. They just informed me about why they wouldn't do certain things. So, Well, speaking of that, in fact, speaking of changing things, you've had decades of, of lessons that you've probably learned uh, about putting on such an event. What are some of the lessons you've already learned this year putting on a large virtual event? Well, I, what I've tried to do is, is keep in contact with my colleagues from around the world who run major events. Even some of us even compete with each other, but we're, we're part of the same team and we're all going through this together. And I've learned a lot of the lessons there is like people register late and that concerns us because we can't, we're, we're a restricted audience of people connected to the trade. So we want them to register earlier so we could qualify the audience. So we've raised the cost of registering late really high. So I urge anyone listening at this point to to register as soon as you can. Um, and we've also, some of the learnings had to do with some of the marketing principles, how to get out there, obviously the shortened uh, presentations, attention spans, uh, what to do, uh, how to communicate with our exhibitors and attendees. There's all, we keep learning. I mean, this is, the silver lining of this horrible COVID cloud is that we've recognized our own hum humanness a little bit more. And if you don't talk about politics, I think we're all willing to give each other a break. Um, and recognize we're in this together. And that's as, you know, the technology industry is, is characterized as a bunch of, you know, geeks that don't really have empathy and feelings. And I think that's totally wrong at every level. I, I realize that people are, technology people are human too, uh, and that they uh, understand that this is a difficult situation we're in and everyone's trying to do their best. Or as the woman, Karen Chupka, who runs CES, always says to me, always assume good intentions of people. And I think that's a good approach to life. And I like it and I try to live by it. She's better at it than I am though. I love it. So looking forward, 
what changes do you think you might retain in going virtual? I mean, even if the world opens back up in person uh, for in-person events in the future. Well, for 2022 in January, we've already signed up hundreds of exhibitors in Las Vegas, uh, but we also are going to, as we often do, or we always do after the CES, we're going to survey those that attended and even those that registered and didn't attend and ask them, you know, what, first of all, if they didn't attend, why? And then if they did attend, what they found worked for them and what didn't work. And then what we do is we always take that information and then we restructure, do different things, have meetings. I mean, it, no matter what event we have, whether it's a CES or even a small dinner or a small event in Washington or around the world, we debrief afterwards. And if you attend those debriefing sessions, you always think it was the worst event in the world because we're, you, know, you can only spend so much time saying, that, well, that worked and say, yeah, you're wonderful. You're wonderful too. But the really, as in life, the only time you really learn anything is when you fail. You know, if you think about your, even your relationships you know, when you broke up or you argued or you made up or, or you think about the jobs you've had. I mean, I was fired from a job early on and, and that was the biggest learning experience in my life. I mean, it's so, so failure is to me, and that's what coincidentally makes what I think the U.S. a great place to be an innovator in is because failure is something where you um, learn and we don't view that as a badge of dishonor. We, we view a business failure as something as an amazing educational experience. And even when, when I'm hiring people, if they've been with a startup or done something or, or worked and, and failed at something, that's much more interesting to me than they, you know, were the most successful person and did all these wonderful things. To me, it's, it's failure is the great teacher. So I am not concerned about us failing. I'm concerned about us hurting people in a failure. You know, like we've offended someone because culturally we were insensitive or something. Um, but we're going we're gonna to just wait till after the CES to figure out what we're going to carry forward. But the 2022 event, is, you know, I think may not be all hugs and handshakes and we may still be wearing masks, but I do think it will be something where we'll have a physical presence in Las Vegas because we are human beings and we need each other. And the screen is great and virtual is great, but until we start taking the screen of the person on our honeymoon, we want that physical closest. We want to observe the body language, the signals to see how people are paying attention to see whether you can trust someone, the five sense experience of a live event where you're perceiving what's out there. And, and also it's one of the toughest things we've had in, in our own planning for the 2020 is how do we replicate serendipity, discovery of just walking around and seeing something which catches your eyes or that chance encounter with a person. And the reality is we're trying to do it, but we won't be as good as we are in a physical event, uh, much less, and we're, and we're definitely not gonna recreate the food and excitement of Las Vegas and the lights and the glitter and the attraction. But on the other hand, uh, you know what? People will save a lot of time. We'll stay healthy, which is great. And we're focused on that. We'll, we will be focused on that in CS 2022 of what we could do to have a more hygienic environment um, and still allow transportation. I think the good news for us is by 2022, I am very hopeful that uh, people will work out some of the bigger issues, like how do you prove you've had a vaccine or, or have antibodies and, and things like that, because we want to create a safe environment. And it's very important to us. Absolutely. I thank you for taking all those precautions and, and being uh, online this year. But where can people go to register and follow this year's event? CES.tech, T-E-C-H, CES.tech. And it's uh, not only register, but once you register, really take your time exploring before you go to CES, because it's really important that you could see that you could put your own, like I'm interested in drones and AR, VR, or autonomous self-driving vehicles or smart cities or healthcare or investing or small businesses or things like that, you could check off what you want. And then all of a sudden new different suggestions on conference sessions will come your way, companies will come your way. And if you really wanna get out there, you could put your name out there in your interests 
And then that becomes the LinkedIn where people will try to contact you and say, hey, I'd love to meet with you to talk about X. And you can reject or accept them just the way you do uh, with other social platforms. So it's an opportunity for people that are interested in uh, being part of that CES experience to get together. And we're hoping people take advantage of it. What a way to start 2021. Gary Shapiro, author and CEO of the Consumer Technology Association, the organization behind CES. Thanks for joining us, Gary. Thank you. And find more of my interviews right here on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.